0: So, go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. When Sean called me a few weeks ago and asked if I would come and teach a little bit for him while you gave him the opportunity to renew his mind, I was kind of wondering what he was up to because of all things, he would assign to me the greatest parable of all, the parable that sort of relates to my own life in many ways. The parable of the prodigal son, as we know it, Uh, a parable about loss and found. because as Sean knows from our time in East Tennessee, at least for the short time that we were together there, he knows, and I just want to kind of get this out of the way as I begin with you, I am very much an expert loser. Is that all right? (laughs) That I am born with the ability to lose things whether it's keys or coats or books or whatever. In fact, this sort of runs in my family that I have boys who like to lose things as well. In fact, a few weeks ago when I was picking up my son from from swim practice, they're both swimmers, it was on a Friday night. I was running late from hanging out with some of my friends uh, late on a Friday afternoon and sort of rushing over and my younger son, whose name, was, whose name is Drake, he's standing out there on the curb uh, looking for his dad to come pick him up and I put him in the car. I said, do you have everything? And I, of course, you know, he's nine and no, he didn't have everything, but I didn't take time to ask if he had everything in his bag and about halfway home, I said, Drake, Do you have your shoes with you? No, Dad, I left my shoes. Now, these are not just any shoes. These are red and black under-armor shoes that somewhere along the way in the book of nine-year-old boys, every nine-year-old boy has to have a pair of red and black under-armor shoes, right? So I called back to the... To the place where we were practicing, and um, I asked the, the nice woman, they had just closed, would you go and look for the shoes? The shoes were nowhere to be found. She looked three times. Now, it's not like I couldn't replace these shoes, but there was a little bit of fatherly pride here because I didn't want to go back to the house and say to my wife that we've lost the shoes because honestly, it was partly my fault because I should have checked. And so the next morning, I dropped Drake off at a swim meet, and at 7.30 in the morning, I went all around that facility looking for the red and black Under Armour shoes. Do you know uh, little Billy in the family circus cartoons, how he goes all over the place looking for things? That was me. Right. And I found one shoe. <laughs> and I thought, surely no one would steal just one shoe. And when I finally got back to my car, I turned around. And you know what's happening, what's about to happen, right? I turned around and was exasperated and was ready to get back into my car. And I turned around, and there, right in front of me, was the other shoe. I have never been more excited in my life to find a pair of red and black under-armor shoes. It's not that I couldn't replace them. It's not that we couldn't afford another pair of shoes. There was a little bit of pride at stake as the good, dutiful Father, right? Which is exactly where we find Jesus this morning. Jesus loves lost things. And he especially loves lost people. I don't know if you've ever been lost or remember a time when you weren't in the church. But Jesus loves to tell stories about those people. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, it's one long Bible study about Jesus and lost people. He describes them like lost sheep on the side of a mountain where a shepherd has gone to search for a lost sheep. He describes us like a lost coin where a woman has searched diligently throughout the house to find us. And then we come to this parable. A parable about not just one son, but two lost sons. Now we know the first one. He's the prodigal one. In fact, he gets so lost... He's lost from the very beginning because as the younger son, he goes to his father, he demands a share of his inheritance, and he goes out to that far country and gets lost in what the Bible really describes as recklessness. Now, yes, his older brother, is quick to point out that he has squandered his wealth in wild living with prostitutes. Yes, there is plenty of sexual promiscuity going on, but he's also wasting money and an inheritance and a fortune. He is lost in his recklessness, demanding the one thing that actually many people celebrate this weekend, his rights. He wants his independence, He demands his freedom and forgets that whatever freedom that he has is not his to demand. No, he is way off in the far country, lost in recklessness in his rights to his inheritance. But there is another son, you know. It's not really just the parable of the prodigal son. It's also the parable of the older one too. Because lo and behold, after the party has started back at the family compound, the older son is still out in the fields. As he says, he has been slaving away. In fact, that's the only thing the older son knows to do because he has been the dutiful obedient son I mean I know a little bit about this because I am an only child so that makes me also the firstborn as well and we know what we're like if the whole world were ordered like us we would all be here in worship on July 4th weekend right we would all be there because we have worked we have gone to school we have taken the ACT so many times that we can pass that test in our sleep so that we can get into the right college right So that we can have the job, so our fathers will stop asking us what we do on Thanksgiving weekend, that we actually have something to do and to provide for. Yes, we have it all together. We got the house, we got a a nice family, we're doing all the right things. And that's where the elder brother is. And he is lost not in his rights, he's lost in his resume. So you don't have to travel very far to get lost in the kingdom of God no in fact he is lost in what he has earned what he has done his education his ability in fact he throws it in his own father's face trying to show and prove to him what he really ought to be doing now what has happened to these two boys you know Jesus tells us these stories not for us to go and do likewise And not for us just to remember what it was like when Uncle Fred and Uncle Ned didn't quite get along with each other, no. These stories, these parables are designed to be a mirror to our lives. Just like you checked the mirror this morning to move one hair over to this side, right? Jesus wants us to reflect and gaze and to change, as your pastor has been talking about, the narrative, the story of your life, the plot line. That something else is going on and breaking into the real world of your family dynamics. Jesus wants to show us how we really are. In fact, that all of us have this condition. And the condition that the boys have is the same one that we have. It's the problem of pride. The younger son is lost in his pride, demanding his rights. He wants what is his now, and he thinks he deserves it. The elder brother is proud because he thinks he's just a little bit better than his younger brother. But the problem with both of these boys is they have miscalculated grace that all of us are faced with a condition that I want us to wrestle with here over these next three Sundays while you have given your pastor the wonderful privilege of being transformed, as Paul said, by the renewing of his mind so that he can come back and be even better and more faithful as your pastor. What a wonderful gift to give. But as we journey together through this parable, I want you to realize something. That we spend an awful lot of time and effort and energy trying to earn back what God has already given us. And the father tries to explain it simply this way to these boys. Notice verse 31. What he says to his older son could have just as easily been said to the younger son before he gave his life to him. Notice what he says in verse 31. Everything that I have is yours. I want you to just say that phrase with me. Everything I have is yours. Say, Just one more time, right? Everything I have is yours. Now, I would invite you over the three weeks that we are together to just... Speak those words every morning. Because what the Father wants to introduce the boys to is a whole dimension to God's grace that we who are products of the South sometimes miss in our desire to make the world a better place. That before you were born, God knew you. before you ever took that first job and lost all that retirement fund in 2008, before you ever tried to get into honors courses at the high school, everything I have is yours. That means that everything that you have right now is a gift it doesn't mean that somehow someone else's life if they don't have quite what you have that God has been punishing them. No. Nor does it mean if you have just a slightly better place to live that somehow God has been blessing you. Just no no that's really not how it works. Everything from the very beginning, the very breath that you breathe is a gift to you from God. It is all grace. So what that does mean is the problem that you find yourself in from living the life that you have been trying to live, from trying to succeed or, or make your parents happy or get everything together to have the perfect life. Look, we can't solve this problem by simply working a little harder. No, in fact, one of the unique things about both of these boys is that they both share the same solution to their lostness in fact it's a condition that I kind of call lost foundness right they are lost and have already been found by the father but they don't recognize it yet which is where we are that even those of us who are Christians who have claimed that him once I was lost but now am found was blind but now I see we tend to kind of drift back we used to call it backsliding you know We drift back into our shadows because we love to fall back on our old problem. We think we can just work this out. In fact, did you notice the prodigal son and the elder brother both think that they can solve their condition by just simply working? When the prodigal gets out into the far country, do you know what he discovers? He says, I'll just go out and hire myself out. And if they won't give me uh, the pods that the pigs are eating, you know what I'll do? I'll go back and I'll get a job with my dad. Now, I'll confess to you, and mainly because I am a son and I have two sons, I recognize this speech. I don't think the prodigal has a heart full of contrition here, all right? I don't think he's had a miraculous conversion. I think he knows, like boys know, what their father wants to hear from him. Dad, I'm really sorry. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Is this working? Isn't this what you... You you told me to apologize to mom last night. I'm apologizing. Are you listening? I'm willing to go back to work, right? We think work is going to solve this. And even the elder brother... Says, you ought to be out here in the fields with me, Dad. I've been slaving away, but here's the good news of God's grace God has already done the work. He's not asking us to earn more, make a little bit better living, try to get a better income, get all of our act together. He has already taken us as we are, whether we're in the far country in the fields living recklessly or out in the fields angry and resentful of everyone else who isn't working as hard as we are. Just ask yourself, how many times when you watch the news you just get angry? Because both of these boys have a deep sense of woundedness. On the one hand, one has filled it up with reckless promiscuity. The other one has filled his wound with anger and resentment. But the father has a solution to all of us. How do we ever get back home? Well, here's the good news. He doesn't wait for us to return. He comes out to us. Did you notice? When the prodigal son was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled. He ran to him. When the elder brother was out in the field, did you notice? He went out to him and invited him to the party, which should tell tell us something about God's grace in our lives. God is coming to you today. Does that mean that he excuses the reckless behavior of the prodigal? No way. No, the prodigal and the elder brother both suffer the consequences of their bad behavior. Life and sin have a way of working that out. What the father does is he goes out to both sons and invites them to experience the only way that we can journey home to God's grace, the power of surrender. That we in our brokenness would become deeply dependent upon God. What that means is to recognize in our own lives we are always going to be dealing with the prodigal son and the elder brother in our families, in our lives, in our homes, in our hearts. We are never going to quite get over this, folks. No, as David Brooks reminded me, life is not lived in a stair step where we climb a little higher and make a little progress as if we're going to make one step at a time. No, life is lived more like the earlier slide I showed you, sort of like a U. We go down and then come back up. We become broken people and then rise up again when the Father meets us in our brokenness and invites us to come back to the field. We take the long journey downward and it is there when we surrender in our humility and in our brokenness to do something that is very hard for we Americans to do who are very thankful for our independence. We become dependent upon God. Again, do we want to know the answer to what our country needs? A greater dependence on the one who gave us these rights and freedoms. Do you know what will transform our lives if we live dependently in humility as people who are looking up, reaching out to God, and then we simply follow what the Father says to do? We celebrate and rejoice. Jesus loves lost things. And he loves to celebrate when he's found the lost people. When the shepherd finds the lost sheep, he calls all the sheep and every other shepherd together and rejoices. When the woman finds a lost coin, she calls all her neighbors together and throws a block party for them. And wouldn't you know, when the father finds his son, he celebrates because he's found the lost son. Now the question for us, is are we too arrogant or reckless? Are we too rights-driven or self-righteous to miss out on the party? Or would we see the Father's outstretched arms to us inviting us to come in? At Northern Baptist Seminary, we minister to all kinds of prodigals and elders. People like you and me who sometimes have lived a bit of both lives. One of them was Pastor Daryl Saffor. Pastor Daryl grew up in the life of the elder brother. He grew up on the south side of Chicago and his parents wanted him to avoid some of the problems of the inner city so they put him in a private Christian school. There he learned to play the piano and to develop his talents. He was going on to music school and to be a concert pianist until he found that the prodigal was inside him too. He fell into drugs and alcohol, found his way into a ministry associated with our seminary called the Hope House. It's in, on the west side of Chicago, a part of the Lawndale Community Church. They cleaned him up, got him back on his feet, and just when he was about to get out and be independent again, Daryl relapsed. But there was one person in his life that would not give up on him. It was his girlfriend, Julie. While Daryl was on the streets, Julie fed him and took care of him. When even his pastor and other church members refused to go after him, Julie took care of him. And this time, Daryl found himself at the very bottom, looking up, dependent upon God, knowing that he was never going to quite get out of his alcoholism or his drug addictions on his own. He was always going to live with the prodigal and the elder. And that's when the Lord called Daryl, Pastor Daryl, to ministry. After returning to the Hope House and getting out, he joined us at Northern Seminary taking Master of Divinity classes. He graduated in about four or five years. He became the intern pastor and then the associate pastor. And then his pastor said, well, why don't you go back and get your doctorate of ministry? Now, just a few years earlier, Daryl had been on the streets. Now he was in the classroom and earned his doctor of ministry degree. He joined our board at Northern Seminary. He became the executive pastor of Lawndale Community Church. And the last time that I saw Pastor Daryl was two or three weekends ago. He came to our board meeting and then attended our commencement ceremony, hugged all the graduates who came out of Lawndale Community Church, preached a sermon on Sunday morning just like I'm doing today, just a few Sundays ago, and then that night, Pastor Darrell had a heart attack and died. 49 years old. And five days later, We gave Pastor Daryl Saffor a home-going service like none other. For three and a half hours at the Lawndale Community Church, we wept, we grieved, we hurt. But you know what we said? This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He had lived the life of the prodigal and the elder brother But God brought him out of his death and into life. And now one day we will see him again in eternity. Now, Johns Creek Church, we shouldn't have to wait until your funeral to change the story of your life. Today can be the day that you come out of your recklessness or your self-righteousness. Today, you can come out of the grave of the bottom of life and rise in obedience into the resurrected life because the Father's already throwing a party for you. He stands out in the fields looking one more time. You know, the reality of this parable is We really don't know how the story ends, do we? We know the prodigal son comes home. But what about that elder brother? And maybe Jesus leaves it open for us to finish the story. Maybe it's up to us to decide. Are you willing to come in and join the party? because there is a grace that will make you alive again like nothing you have ever found before. Would you bow with me for prayer? So loving Heavenly Father, when we give you thanks for that which you have already given to us on this July 4th weekend, we pause for a moment to confess our recklessness and our self-righteousness. That there are times, Lord, when we have squandered the very gifts that you have given us. And there are times we have become so angry that we have let those angry Decisions become deep-seated resentment in our hearts. And the good news, Lord, today is you have already forgiven us. <laughs> and we want to accept it. We want to do the one thing that you simply ask both, both of these boys to do, to receive. And to recognize that you're the one in the fixing business that you're in the process of redeeming our broken world, you ask us today to receive the very grace that you offer to everyone. So Lord, in this place, in these hearts, in these lives today, would you take some very dead people and would you make us alive again? Would you take all of us who know what it's like to be lost and would you by your grace find us? For we give you thanks today. In Jesus' name.